This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. Hey guys, this is Lane with the Simple Passive Cashflow Podcast. Please go to the newly redesigned website and familiar yourself with all the cool stuff we have on there. Sign up for the Hui Deal Pipeline Club and check out the fund. That's the simplepassivecashflow.com backslash fun to see what we have cooking there. Diversified fund, the single family home, multifamily, and some other exotic investments. Today on the line, I have Whitney Nicely on the line. How's it going, Whitney? Good. Thanks for having me, Lane. So I heard you on another podcast. You're more of a, the, the more active real estate investor, but you had a lot of good tips that I thought that I would bring you on the line here and talk about networking. Because like we always say, real estate is, you know, it's all people. And a lot of people that listen to this podcast are more on the passive side. But I always see people, some people have holes in their repertoire. And I think networking is a big one for a lot of people. And it's just pretty glaring when you, you know, you can, you can talk to someone, you can say, well, that guy needs to work on his uh, people skills a little bit. So I thought we'd bring you <laughs> on the line and give us a little bit about your background before we get started. Okay, sure. Um, so I'm from Knoxville, Tennessee, and I come from a, a small business kind of family. So entrepreneur thing like runs very deep in my blood. And my family has pretty much always been real estate investors. Like I grew up as a real estate investor's kid, knowing that money showed up in the mailbox every month. Like I thought everybody had mailbox money. I didn't know that bills came in the mailbox more than money did. Um, so that's, that's how I grew up. And then, you know, in my twenties, I realized that I didn't have any money coming in the mailbox, but all my family did. And so I was like, mom, where's my money? And she was like, you have to buy something. Duh. <laughs> so I, I jumped in and I bought uh, some land. My first couple deals was just in land because I didn't know what I was doing. And even though I'm from an investor family, they do it the old, slow and boring way where they save up a bunch of money, go buy whatever they can and then rent it and hope and pray one day they get their money back. Like they're not very fancy. They have no systems. They have no process. They don't have any exit strategies. They are your typical buy and hold investors. Buy it and forget about it. That was going a little bit too slow for me. So I decided I needed to jump in and I bought a half acre piece of land in the city of Knoxville. It's zoned industrial for $1,500 and started renting the driveway for $250 a month. So in about six months, I had all my $1,500 back, and now I've got $250 a month positive cash flow for the rest of my life with no overhead. No, I mean, nothing. It's just a driveway that I rent. Uh, and now, actually, I've had that for three years, and just this past February, I started renting the land also for $500 a month. So I'm bringing in $750 a month on a free and clear investment with no overhead expenses, no building, no nothing. And I don't know about you, but that that's the most passive form I've found of income. <laughs> All right. The mailbox money. That's right. Well, it's just inbox. Now I just get an email that says, congratulations, you've been paid. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about, I mean, you go around and you know, you're very vocal what you do. You know, you, you had a story about you're in the supermarket and you pick up <laughs> buyers and sellers wherever you go. Yeah, a lot of people that listen to this podcast are, you know, like engineers types like myself. And we just kind of hear that and we're like, 
how does she do that? <laughs> well, part of the reason is I, you know, when you're a kid, kids say the darndest things, right? I mean, we've heard that a million times, but it's because they don't have a filter. They don't know what they're supposed to say, and what they're not supposed to say. And as adults, we don't have that privilege anymore. We have this thing called pride and pride keeps us from doing what we should be doing with our lives. Um, and it's the pride that we Maybe it happened in middle school, maybe it happened in high school, but at some point we started not just saying whatever we thought and we started filtering ourselves and censoring ourselves. And that's, <laughs> I think that's the downfall of a lot of people. And so I kind of go at it with a kid mentality. I'm going to say it, I'm going to do it. And it doesn't have to be nasty or ugly. It can just be like, oh my gosh, did she really just say that? But it catches people's attention. And so one thing that I do, and I've done this since I started investing, is I've really told my pride to sit down and shut up. And one of the first things I started doing was wearing this ugly yellow button that said, I buy houses. And when you wear that button, it's kind of weird. You wear it and you're like, I look like an idiot. Oh my God, why am I wearing like, no, but that's your pride talking, right? And you got to tell it to sit down and shut up. So when you do and you wear your button, sometimes you forget that you have your button on and you'll be at the grocery store and somebody will bump into you. And it's the funniest thing to me when you have on a button and my students will tell you this too. When you wear this button and it says, I buy houses, people will come up to you and start a conversation with you. You don't have to go up to them. You don't have to tell them what you do. You don't have to tell them anything. Your button has said everything that you need to say without you saying anything. And they will come up to you and start confessing their real estate sins. It's, it's the craziest thing. Um, you know, I've talked to the preachers and um, some priests actually about this. And when they go out in public and they got on their little, you know, white priest bow tie thing, people, strangers will just come up to them and start confessing their sins. And for some reason, this button has the same effect on people. You just you wear this button and people are naturally like just drawn to you and they want to talk to you and they want to tell you what's going on and they want to tell you about this house that they have and the problem that they're having with it. And especially if you're introverted, you don't want to have to approach people. You don't want to have to like drive this conversation. But when you wear this button and you know which questions to ask to keep the conversation going, you really don't have to do anything but, you know, collect the lead and then go look at the house and make an offer. Like the button does all of the heavy lifting for you. And if you will check your pride at the door, because your ultimate goal is to be a millionaire and you know, millionaires have pride too, but they're willing to check it too. If you will check your pride and wear this button every day for 365 days, you will be amazed at how much better your, your speeches, how much better your offers get to be, how many more deals you come across. And even if you're not in your town, you could be, my, I have students that wear their buttons in the airport because they don't know anybody. They know they're not going to run anybody. And it's not going to be embarrassing. And they've picked up so many deals just from walking through the airport and somebody wanting to come up and talk to them. And they sit there while they're waiting on their flight and write out a contract. So let's talk about one of the avatars that listen to the show let's just take like a cpa that's making like hundred fifty thousand dollars and they can't wear a button but they have like friends and family that are always interested in what they're doing what are some uh some of those questions you ask to kind of get that conversation going 
Well, maybe they can't wear a button to the office, but you can wear a button to kids' ball games. You can wear a button. I have a student in California. He wears his button to church, and he got a deal. He's in California and bought a house in Ohio because he wore his button to church. Maybe you can't wear it to the office, but there's plenty of other times that you're around people that you can wear your button. Um, But some other things you can do is on Facebook or maybe even on LinkedIn, you can start to, I call it, uh, or I've heard it called edutainment where you're educating your audience, your friends and family about what you do, but you're also entertaining them a little bit. I mean, HGTV shows, everybody loves them. I hate them personally, but you know, the mainstream people, they love them. So if you can be like the small town fixer flipper, people will love to check in on what you're doing and they will start to send you leads for free on Facebook too. I've got like 19 different templates and I give my students, I even give them the pictures. I give them the swipe files. Um, You know, if you're not on Facebook, my husband is not on Facebook. He refuses. But if you're not there, you know, your wife can do this for you. And it's just on your personal page. You don't have to pay for boosted posts. You don't have to set up some fancy software or a Facebook profile. Like it's just easy stuff that anybody can do. And, you know, just like the button, you're going to look at it. You're going to see it. You're going to do it a couple different times. You're going to be like, this doesn't work. This girl's crazy. And then suddenly, you know, you're getting leads in the grocery store. You're getting people at church. They're like, Hey, I saw your Facebook post and I've got a house just like that. Or you're getting people like private messaging you or sending you an email. And they're like, Hey, I just saw that, uh, you know, picture you put up. I've got a house just like that down the street from me. Here's the lady's name. Go call her and buy it. Your friends and family want you to succeed. They want to see you get out there and achieve your goals and dreams, but you have to, you know, train them on what you're looking for and how they can help you. And you can do that for free through Facebook. And I have friends that I haven't even seen since high school. I don't talk to these people on a regular basis. But when I put something out on Facebook, I know there's two girls who are going to send me leads for like the next two weeks. Anytime and every time they see a for sale by owner sign. Even I've been doing this for three or four years and they're not even in the same state I am anymore. They still send them to me because they know that's what I want and they're willing to help me. Yeah, I've heard about Facebook, all these social media channels. There's different appropriate posts. Like I've always heard, you know, Facebook is not really for business. I, I like what you do. You have like an ugly picture of a teardown house and that really, yes, it's not really business, but it's in the same topic. And that's the edutainment. You know, people like dirty pictures. They're drawn. We see so much pretty stuff that when something ugly comes by, you know, that's why traffic slows down around a wreck. It's ugly. People want to look at it. They want to study it. There's some kind of weird natural reaction we have to ugly stuff. And so if you put an ugly picture up on Facebook, you will get tons of traffic. If you put something spammy or cheesy up that says, we buy houses, cash, fast, blah, blah, blah. Nobody's going to respond to that. So a lot of people that do the passive investing, you know, they build networks and they're able to find pretty good investments and they'll tell their relatives or family that, you know, hey, I'm making 20% and, you know, their friends and family don't want to do it themselves. So that ultimately they become a private money lending source. What's some, uh, some ways that get that accelerated? I have a student in California and she buys houses in Colorado. So she's an outside investor and sh- we have changed some of the Facebook posts from finding sellers because she doesn't, she doesn't want sellers. She's got plenty of sellers, but she needs more private money. And so we've been tweaking her Facebook posts and she made one post and in seven days she collected $150,000 in private money. 
that she didn't even know existed until she made this post. And again, it wasn't like some cheesy something. It was, you know, mostly a before and after of, Hey, we bought this house. Then we did this work to it. Now it's great. We're making a bunch of money. If you want, you know, a solid return, give me a call. Never talking about any kind of percentages, never talking about any kind of splits or commissions or cuts or anything, just very light and fluffy. And I think that's where a lot of people really mess up on Facebook because it does need to be light and fluffy and flirty. You need to ingrain yourself in people's brains, but not gross. You just need to be on the top of their mind. And there's, there's a line there where you don't put too much out because then the SEC comes down on you. But you can also attract more fish if you're using the right kind of bait. Any thoughts on some other platforms like Pinterest, Instagram? I, I get quite a bit of traction from Instagram. Mostly just uh, I've got like 10,000 followers on Instagram. And so I, I mostly try to get those people to sign up for a webinar or join my Facebook group. Um, as far as Pinterest... That is a black hole that will suck your whole day away from you if you're not careful. <laughs> and I, for that reason, I haven't, ex I haven't explored it very much. Uh, I know when I planned my wedding, I could only limit myself to so much time on Pinterest. But for business, I haven't ever used it. Now, YouTube, I do a ton of videos, mostly on Facebook. And then I transplant those over to YouTube. And I've been starting to get quite a bit of following on YouTube as well. And what about the difference between organic search and, you know, paid to boost? I, I, I've rented an apartment off of Boosted Post. I spent $15 over a weekend and rented one of my apartments. And I spent another $15 on an ugly house post and bought another ugly house. But I haven't had much success or luck with Boosted Post or paid Facebook posts. Mine are very organic, word of mouth kind of situations. And I think people like that better and it gets a better, warmer, stronger audience when it's organic. You know, like if you introduce me to somebody, I'm going to like them better than if they just popped up in an ad, you know? And I, I think there's, there's something about human nature that's like that. And I think Facebook's onto that because, uh, you know, when you see a sponsored post right now, it'll say, you know, 18 of your friends like this. Well, if 18 friends like that, then it's probably something that I'm going to like. And so the, Facebook is picking up on that. And so I think that's why you're starting to see that more and more. Right. Especially with real estate with the, the prices sure. being so high and you actually got to put real money down. You want that warm connection. You really do. You really do. Well, one thing I've, I've been trying to play around with the Facebook ads a little bit, just on a bunch of random things. And it's, it, I see like a lot of just random people. I try to use the targeting, but sometimes it like, it almost seems like these are like fake profiles and like, where are these people living in the United States? Have you ever run into any of that? It's like your targeting is just totally off. A lot of money trying to figure out Facebook ads and I've taken courses and I've hired people and I, I just don't get the warm fuzzies from it. So Organic natural growth has definitely been the best source for me for seller leads, for private money leads, for students, for podcasts, you know, for everything. The um, organic natural way of introducing people to other people has definitely been better for me. All right. That's my lesson learned too. And I heard it on Joel Fairless's podcast where mm -hmm. he bought, like, he paid like five or 10 grand for a list of emails and he, he shot out all those emails and he's gotten like nothing in return yeah. in the responses. I believe that. Not being one of the big boys investing quite yet, 
aka the accredited investor in the eyes of the SEC, it's tough to find good options for investing. But then I started investing in the American Homeowner Preservation Fund, or AHP Fund, which is crowdfunding the mortgage crisis in America. The fund collaborates with existing homeowners to keep them in their homes. It's a way to make great returns while feeling good about making a social impact. After investing myself in the fund, it was awesome when they approached me to become an advertiser of the company. You can start investing with as little as 100 bucks, and if you want the free Burn Zone book, please send me an email to lane at simplepassivecashflow.com. So let's go back to uh, in-person networking. What's your mindset? I, I know you're, you're probably a natural at, at this, but what are the couple of flaws that you see most people making? So one thing that I've been teaching a lot and talking a lot about is you really need a good one-liner to back it up. And, you know, you need to start your one-liner with a greeting and then introduce yourself, but don't get lost in that. Know where you're going to go with the conversation. So, you know, if I stand up at a networking event and maybe it's one of those where everybody gets, you know, 30 minutes to shine or 30 seconds to shine, not 30 minutes, but, um, you know, you get to stand up and I say, you know, Hey y'all, my name is Whitney Nicely. I buy houses from people that have inherited them. I like to buy in East Knoxville and I have some appointments today, but if you know somebody that has an empty house they want to get rid of, I could probably go look at it tomorrow. And I know you probably know other people who buy houses, but I'm the best because I'm going to buy a hundred houses this year and you get to be number 18. <laughs> Y'all let me know if you have any questions and if you have a house you want me to come look at. <laughs> so, you know, I, I can stand up in any meeting, anytime. And in that, I covered like a reporter. I did who, what, when, where, why, but I didn't cover the how. All right. So I covered who I am, who I help, what I buy, where I buy them, uh, what I'm looking for, why I'm the best choice and you should hire me to come, you know, buy your house instead of some other we buy houses people. And that's what you need. So even if somebody walks up to you in the grocery store, you know, you need a little bit of a different kind of transition. But if somebody walks up to you in the grocery store and they say, oh, you buy houses. You say, actually, yes, I do. I'm looking for one in East Knoxville right now. And I, I buy houses all over the place, but I'm really focused on East Knoxville and I love empty houses. In fact, for example, you know, I was looking at a house earlier today and a lady had inherited it. And so you just go into this story. You're ready. That button is going to be the icebreaker that you need. And people are going to start to say something and you need to have a one liner ready to go. You need to have like a canned response so that you know what you're wanting to buy, how you're going to buy it, when you can come look at it and you can kind of lead the conversation to an opportunity to go put an offer in to an appointment you know, and there's lots of different ways. And I work with my students very closely on this because, you know, my one liner is fine for me, but you wouldn't say that you need one that sounds like you, you need to use the words that you would use in regular conversation. And you are maybe looking for something different than I am. So, you know, we need to cover, I've got a, a worksheet on it. Whenever you're giving your one-liner, whenever you get to stand up in front of an audience, whenever you get to introduce yourself, and even if, you know, you're out to dinner with your wife and she introduces you to somebody that she works with and, you know, you shake your hand and there's a little bit of awkward conversation and exchange, you need to know how to overcome that and say, hey, yeah, uh, you know, my name's Whitney and I'm sure she's told you that I buy houses and I'm actually looking for something over in Knoxville right now. 
I, you know, today it was funny you mentioned that I buy houses because today I was looking at a house uh, from somebody who had tenants in it and they just got tired of being a landlord. So I put an offer in and I think we're going to be closing on that one next week. And people will say, oh, really? So tell me more. Or they'll say, oh, really? Well, that's great. Kiss my ass goodbye. (laughs) You know, like if they're going to be a good lead for you, they're going to be a good lead. And once you know your one-liner and you can kind of sift through it and know what you're going to say, it makes those awkward exchanges a really good source to find off-market properties. And you've got to be able to take control of that situation because otherwise you're going to end up in 18,000 conversations about the weather. Well, nobody cares. The weather is the weather. You have a purpose in life and you need to learn how to get your purpose out there without becoming a professor and trying to teach a real estate seminar when somebody just really wanted to say hi and keep going. Would you uh, care to evaluate my elevator speech? Yeah, let's do it. So my goals these days are to try and build an audience for the podcast, which I guess if you guys haven't let your friends know about the podcast, please shoot them a referral to simplepassivecashflow.com. But, you know, I'll usually start off with some kind of, um, I'm a W2 engineer, I'm a working professional, and in the spare time, you know, trying to bring that barrier to entry low in terms of time commitment. I say, you know, I have 11 single family homes out of state um, that bring me cash flow, and it's pretty passive. And I I just make it simple and uh, easy to follow. And if someone's interested in that, you know, they can contact me. But, you know, I, I maybe I just don't pursue hard enough, but that's... That's my thought process. So what's your goal? What are you looking for? I am looking for someone to come back to the podcast and website to read more about me. You know, maybe our interests align that we can do, you know, work with each other one day. So your goal is the podcast? Or uh, work with me on a out-of-state deal. So let's, let's focus on that because I didn't hear anything about the podcast or working on an out-of-state deal. I guess I, I'll start off with my intro, but then I say... I have a podcast and a website and you know, I help people get properties out of state. So one thing that I've learned from podcasting is that a lot of people don't know what a podcast is. And so then you have to explain it. So I would say something about, you know, I've got, I've actually got kind of like a radio show and I talk to, you know, investors all over the place and we're trying to put deals together out of state. And, you know, we work on different real estate formulas and different opportunities so that we can all make some money. Would you be interested in hearing some of my shows or, you know, making some money? Right. Or have you ever thought about investing out of state or even exactly, exactly. I think if you can keep it focused on that, because I mean, the part about the engineer, that's fine, you know, but that doesn't help me know about your podcast. That doesn't help me know that you want to do out of state deals. Yeah. A lot of ways to cut and slice these things. It can always get better. I like to keep it as short and sweet as possible and go straight for the goal. (laughs) Any thoughts on, you know, are you thinking about a certain type of individual? And if, if it's somebody that doesn't have any properties or doesn't have access, they just don't fit your profile. What's your thoughts there? So everybody is a lead source. Everybody is in a lead, but everybody is a lead source. They're a money lead source or they're a property lead source. They may not be the lead, but they know somebody. And I don't, I don't know um, if you've ever tried this or not, but There's been studies that if you go to a bar and you want to, you know, hook up with a hot girl, you have a better chance of flirting with her friend before you start flirting with her because women are crazy and they want what their friend has. So if you ignore the hot girl for a couple minutes and talk to her friend and butter her friend up, then her friend may pass you on. 
and you'll, you know, get to the hot girl. You go straight for the hot girl. You go straight for the lead. You go straight for the, you know, jugular. You'll probably get shut down. But if you can kind of work through the gatekeeper, you'll probably get to the goal that you wanted. And I think it's the same way when you're talking to sellers, you're talking to buyers. I always talk like they're just a lead source. Like they probably wouldn't fit me. They wouldn't fit what I'm trying to do, but they probably know somebody. And what I found is when I talk kind of around them, they end up saying, Hey, it's me. It's me. I'm the one. I'm the lead. I got that. Oh, really? Oh, well, that's awesome. So tell me more about it. And so instead of going straight for them, because people have radar and they know when they're about to be sold to. So if you can not sell to them and you can talk about maybe selling to their friend, they'll warm you up and find out that they want to be sold to. And that's a much, much better. That's a warm audience. That's a much easier sell than trying to go for it right there in the very beginning. Yeah. That's a a thought there that came up is like, right. You never solicit on the first date, right? (laughs) Exactly. And you, you know, so when you talk to these people, you always need to say, do you know somebody who wants to make more money? Do you know somebody that has a property they don't want? Do you have a friend? Do you have a family? Do you, you never say, do you have it? No, that's too intrusive. But do you know somebody and they will, they, you know, sometimes they'll wink at you and say, yeah, I know somebody that wants to make more money. How much are we talking about? And you say, oh, I don't know. I get people that give me, you know, hundred, five hundred million dollars to invest in apartments all across the country. You got that much or what are we talking about? And they're like, I got 250. All right, good. That's another thing is you always want to give them a range. You don't want to say people give me a solid bleh. You know, you want to say some people chip in 50, some people chip in hundreds, some have a million bucks, you know, you know, whatever it is, but you give them a range and then they'll fill in the blank with what they're comfortable with. All right. So Whitney, anything, uh, anything else you think be valuable to us? Oh, keep going. If your desire is to be a real estate investor, whether it's completely passive or whether you do want to be a little bit more aggressive, I guess, like I am. Keep going. There's good deals. There's bad deals, but you'll never know if you don't get out there and keep trying. Sometimes deals look like they're trying to fall apart and it's really just a test. It's a lesson. You got to keep going. Yeah. I hope this talk was a little bit valuable for folks out there. I know like in the professional world, you know, you've got a lot of smart people, smart engineers out there that do the technical stuff pretty well and it's super competitive. And, you know, we talk about real estate investing and the reason why we do it is because it's not too competitive and not everybody's doing it. And if you can find an engineer out there who can do the technical stuff pretty well, but has somewhat of a soft skill base, you know, those are the successful people that excel. I say real estate investing, there's no competition. Your worst competition is in your head. It's you telling yourself, no, I can't do that. No, I don't have enough money. No, I don't have the skills. No, I don't have the experience. Oh, come on. You can learn the skills, you can get the money, you can do the deals. Your worst competition is in between your ears. What's your, uh, your URL that you'd like to share with folks for people to get a hold of you? I teach a lot of real estate. I give a lot of free information out and about. And if you want to join, I've got a Facebook group. You can go to WhitneyNicely.com slash group. And it'll take you to become a real estate rock star with Whitney Nicely. I got three questions. You have to answer the questions or I won't let you in. And, uh, you know, even if you're not looking for that type of advice, you know, be a good opportunity to get into another social channel with other people who are looking for deals, even if you are a passive investor. All right. Well, appreciate it, Whitney. Thanks for coming on the line. Thanks for having me, Lane. 
This website offers very general information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor situation is unique. Always seek the services of licensed third-party appraisers and inspectors to verify the value and condition of any property you intend to purchase. Use the services of professional title and escrow companies and licensed tax, investment, and or legal advisor before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk. The content found here is just my opinion and things change and I reserve the right to change my mind. Above all else, do your own analysis and think for yourself because in the end, you are the only person who is going to look out for your best interests.